to Luke chapter 1. I have to say at our church, I try to emulate Nikki Cruz, a good friend of ours, and he's preached here before in this pulpit. Whenever Nikki is preaching out of the book of Luke, he says, I want you to look at Luke. He's got that enunciation. I want you to look at Luke. I want you to look at Luke chapter 1. Beginning in verse 13. Luke 1, 13. You have it? It says there, But the angel said to him, God uses angels, my brother. In regard to 610, whatever. Hallelujah. Uh, and the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid. Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of who? Of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Many of the people of Israel bring back, will he bring back to the Lord their God. Father, I pray for this next half hour or so, so that you would be glorified and the word will go forth to sediment and bring forth what you desire to do. We ask it all in Christ's name and everybody together set. You may be seated. The title of my sermon, and I was contemplating various sermons. I was here last night trying to cheat, trying to get ahead, find out how things are going. And Pastor Malcolm told me he was tag teaming on Sunday night, how, Sunday how he spoke, and then wasn't it heavy last night, Pastor Bob Jackson? Whew! Uh, and I had about three of those sermons that I might have been able to augment and complement that, but God had already spoken to me, and He said, "Sorry, son, that ain't you." I said, "Oh man, I like that kind of stuff." Uh, but I was always preparing, and they had asked me to speak here. I was wondering, wow, I guess Pastor Malcolm called me early on some. I was in Los Angeles. And got a hold of me on a Saturday and you know I thought it was some kind of an emergency and I returned his call right away and I said yeah well, what is it how can we do what, what can I do for you and he says can you speak for me and I'm having a 25 year anniversary and, and Bishop Patterson is going to be there and Bob Jackson and myself can you be one of the speakers Lord Jesus son of David have mercy uh, of course I have to say yeah alright sure uh, and but then as I was contemplating and praying about what to speak on, God was giving me this, this sermon here, and I, and I said, no, nah, no, nah, but I won't be able to find it. I've, you know, I've you ever been in my office, you can't find hardly nothing. Uh, and I happened to have a billfold over in my office here at, at the church, and God told me, open up that billfold. I said, well, okay. And I knew I had three sermons in there. This one happened to be one of them. I didn't think I was going to find it. I wanted to, you know, but so I'm going to go ahead and deliver it. Before I do, let me tell you a joke. Thank you. There was this, I'm going to talk a little bit about parenting anyway. There was this uh, 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 individual, he took his mother-in-law to the Holy Land on a, on a trip. All expenses paid, he paid for his mother-in-law. That has to be the Lord right there already. Uh, took her on a Holy Land tour, his, him and his wife and his mother-in-law. They were having a good time, Masada, different places, you know, uh, even they got when they got to Jerusalem, she died. Passed out in Jerusalem. So man, I mean, they you know what to do. They went to the coroner's office. They started to fill out some paperwork and and what to do. And they were saying, "Wow." And so as he's talking to the coroners, one of the guys that worked at the mortuary said, "Listen, sir, I know this is a terrible time. You're from America, but if you bury her here." It'll be $300 for everything. That includes the whalers. You know, everybody, the whole thing, the whole kid and caboodle, everything, right here, $300. But if you send her back to America, $5,000 just to ship her. That's just to Annie in. I mean, you know, funerals cost some bucks nowadays. Uh, and so he says, that's just to ship her, $5,000. 
what do you think? You want to do it here, $300, or just to ship for 5000 Right away he goes, no, 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 I'll ship her. And the guy was filling out the paperwork, and as he was filling out the paperwork, he goes, you will? You must have really loved your mother-in-law. And the guy goes, well, not really, you know, listen, he says, I'm here in Jerusalem, and I hear that a while back, somebody died here, and three days later, they're resurrected. I ain't taking no chances. I ain't taking no chances. Uh, now, if that isn't love, my only begotten right there. Oh, Jesus. Uh, all right. Here we go. Great in the sight of who? See, most parents, they always want the best for their kids. What they were, they want their kids to be better. Uh, they want the best for their children. Uh, and it was foretold here to Zacharias that his son was going to be great. There was going to be greatness about his child. But once you go on and you read the account here about John the Baptist's life, I think that most parents would rather pass on a son like John the Baptist. Are you with me? Once you start reading about his life, Yes, parents would want their children to be good and even great, but they'd probably have to draw the line at locusts and honey. Living out in the wilderness. I want my kids to be great, but locusts and honey? Man, I don't know about that one. Uh, no, that's where most parents would get off. Uh, they want their children to do right and to do good, but to be fanatical, uh, to go to victory outrageous, See, parents want the greatness that comes with, with position and with prestige and with pomp. That's what they want for their children, by and large. Uh, but here in Luke chapter 1, it talks about what was going to happen to this individual, uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah's son. He was going to bring gladness and contentment to their lives. But, see, many of most parents, they would like to omit... What it says there in the Bible, great in the sight of the Lord. Because that has to have a, some sort of catch or kick or oddity to it. Great in the sight of the Lord. There has to be some kind of sting or consequences to that. Well, read my lips. It does. If you're going to be great in the sight of the Lord, you better be ready. Ah. Because a lot of people want to be great in the sight of man. What is it that parents... Want for their children and their grandparents for their children, but to be successful. Uh, they, do, they would do good and, and bring pleasure and profit to them and then to others as well. Uh, that they would have a good job, a good vocation. But would you mind that they would attain very little or zero near notoriety here on earth? Maybe even become a failure? We wouldn't want that for our children. We want the best for our kids. Would you mind that they remain true to heart and true to God, even if it meant, if it meant sacrificing and not making more money? Uh, not making the headlines? See, uh, those are some of the hard questions to answer. Where and when your son or your daughter might have to lay aside all their schemes to reach their dreams. For he or she would be great but only in the sight of God. Nobody else. Nobody else. Because that's what the Bible asks for us and tells of us. Uh, see, when we examine the limits that were set on John the Baptist in order to be great in the sight of the Lord, those limits and those boundaries were rather strict. He was born under a Nazarite vow. John the Baptist's life had a lot of cants to it. It had a lot of nevers to it. He ain't never going to taste that bubbly. Never. He's a Nazarite. He ain't never going to get a scissors to his head. Never. Uh, he can't do this. And he can't. A lot of kids get all bent out and say, what do you mean I can't go to the prom? I can't, can't, can't. Why do I got to be a PK? I didn't ask for this. Uh, 
can't. Well, let me just tell you something. You know, when you get saved, you can do anything you want to. But God changes your want to. When you say, I want to go to, it's Tuesday night, and I want to go to church. God changes your want to when you're really saved. Ah, but this individual here was going to have a lot of chance and never to his, a lot of limits. But let me tell you something about, we have to have boundaries in our lives. You ever been to Mexico? How many ever been to Mexico? Ah, yeah. See, when, when you come into Mexico, they have what they call federales. What an easy job to work the border on a Mexican federale. You know what his job is? <laughs> come as thou hither, stupid dumb people. Come on, bring, just bring your money. Just bring your money, because we're going to get you. We're going to get a bite. That's what we call it in Spanish, la mordida. We're going to get you. Uh, it's an easy job. No borders, no boundaries. Very, very much. Have you ever been coming back to America? If you drive a stick, about an hour and a half to get, because we care about our borders. Let me tell you something. Women, young ladies, don't be easy. You don't want to be labeled as, oh, she's easy. She ain't got no borders. I got a sermon called for young ladies. It's called, as for me and my blouse. Did you hear me? As for me and my blouse. We're going to serve the Lord. This is holy ground. I got boundaries here, buddy. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. Ah. Back up, buddy. Anything of value, you got to pay a price. You want to walk down the aisle with me, you got to pay a price. Uh, I ain't easy. Got to have some borders and boundaries. That's what John the Baptist had in his life. Because he had to be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, we need some boundaries here. Uh, see, when you read his job description of John the Baptist, uh, of turning the church of Israel back to the Lord, preparing others uh, like S-U-M, uh, that, that ministry, uh, preparing others for somebody greater than he. That's what he was called to do. Prepare the way for somebody even greater than him. That don't sound too great. That don't sound too great. Uh, matter of fact, have I told you the title of my sermon? I didn't. Uh, the title of my sermon is Sean John 316. What's the title? What's the title? Uh, Sean John 316. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about P. Diddy today. P. Diddy. We're going to bring him out a little bit here today. He thinks he's great, but not in the sight of the Lord. We're going to talk a little bit about Sean John 316. See, there's not a whole lot of scripture given about John the Baptist. Not a lot. Uh, his life was by and large a life of loneliness and monotony, servitude and solitude. John lived out in the desert, in the wilderness, until his words and his life were able to match the wild and hot wind of the desert itself. Stay with me now. That's why he was out there in the desert, because he was going to develop some hot words for God's people. All right. Where do you think Pastor Macklin gets all that anointing? Sometimes it's, it's, it's servitude, solitude. Uh, you you got to go through a few things. Uh, how would you like it if you went for an operation? And they, they wheeled you up to the doctor, and the, the operating room, and the doctor walks in and says, Oh, how great, you're my first patient. You want somebody that's been around the block a few times. Uh, great in the sight of the Lord. See, John the Baptist, he 
could call all a generation of vipers because he righteously lived with the vipers. He lived out there where the real snakes were. His words had a match where he lived later on. Uh, see, his words, he wasn't born, you know, at, at the Golden Palace with a silver spoon in his mouth. No. His words were all as rough as the desert storms itself. John the Baptist's life was more or less, on paper, only a one-hit wonder. Brash and brief. That was his life, a one-hit wonder. P. Diddy wouldn't want to sign him on his label. That's only, well, show me some more. No, I just got a one-hit wonder. You ain't going to be great, just one hit. God Almighty, one hit. Uh, give me some more. P. Diddy wouldn't want nothing to do with this guy. He didn't got the right eyes, that's why. We're going to find that out in just a little bit. See, he'd had a life that was used to the vastness and the freedom of the wilderness. Uh, able to move around and roam as he pleased. But then he finds himself chained and caged in a prison cell, confined. Doubt and confusion begin to zero in and find its target in John the Baptist's life. And then we have him. The greatness of the Lord, caught and concealed by the greatness of the world. King, the great King Herod. This is where I'm taking you. Here we have the greatness of the Lord, greatness by confined and caged by the greatness of the world, the great King Herod. I got you now, buddy. Look what I did. You think you're so great? Look what I did to you. Uh, see, John's story could very easily be summed up in just a few words. From the desert to the dungeon to the guillotine. That's it. That was his life. And that's supposed to be great. From the desert to the dungeon to the guillotine. And he'll be great in the sight of the Lord God. See, John, uh, his head was righteously served on a silver platter. Talk about a silver anniversary, glad tidings. Talk about a silver anniversary. Ah. Uh, but that's where his head ended up. Ah, great in the sight of the Lord. Could that result really be called greatness? Ah, uh, I think not. Ah, uh, who cares what I think? The Bible says no greater man was ever born. Matthew eleven eleven. Ah, uh, than John the Baptist. None. See, God sees greatness a whole lot different than man does. First Samuel sixteen seven says, when man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the ticker. Your uncle's bigger than six feet ten, buddy, brother. He's way bigger than six ten. Way bigger. Uh, he could slam dunk in Shock's face, hallelujah, in the spirit. In the spirit. Backwards. That's God's greatness. Man sees at the outward appearance. Uh, God looks at the heart. See, to be great in God's eyes, in the real, true, genuine greatness, that's what it's all about. God's greatness is and always should be the actual standard for greatness. Understand what I just said. God should be the standard. God should tell us what's the standard for greatness, not man. To view anything else as greatness is to waver and distort the truth. Lenny Kravitz ain't got nothing on our Lenny. Ah, uh, nothing. Really. See, if real greatness is first and foremost defined by God, then the greatness of standards should begin at the top with God. That's what greatness is. It should begin at the top with God. Then work its way down. Real greatness should start with the spiritual, then end up, end up, end up with the physical. But man has it the other way around. We start with the physical. That's the way man does it. Our society starts with the physical, the financial, the mental, the social. Then maybe, maybe lastly, the spiritual. Maybe. See, we humans, we have a tendency to spot physical greatness a whole lot easier. Uh, that's, my friend, to us. The physical greatness is obviously the top and the most important greatness. But that's really only physical. Uh, spotting physical. Flesh, spotting flesh. Stay with me now. 
men calling greatness greatness out of the physical that's flesh spotting flesh that's easy anybody can do that ah uh, anyone can flesh and blood cannot spot the kingdom of heaven Jane Lowe's got it going on. Halle Berry, she got it going on, bro. Well, sir, flesh and blood has revealed that to you. It's flesh and blood, but we ain't talking flesh and blood. God don't talk flesh and blood. Ah. See, then you're operating in the lowest form of greatness, which is flesh. Ah, God looks at the heart, the spirit. See, human beings tend to see only the things through obvious eyes. To most humans in the natural, P. Diddy, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Nelson Mandela, Al Pacino, Denzel Washington, they're great. General Eisenhower, make room for General Schwarzkopf. We got another great man up and coming. But to mention a Bill Bright or a J.W. Macklin or a Nikki Cruz, forget about it. That's not, that's not too bright. See, what men and women of Flight 93 did, are you still with me? What the women, men and women of Flight 93 did, that was good. Pretty, that was great, as a matter of fact. But that was easy and obvious to assess and to spot because that, too, had to do with the level of greatness then men can decipher and see with the naked eye. But to get to the level of greatness where God is judge, that takes a lot more time and a lot more scrutinizing uh, than most mere men can attain and evaluate. Understand what I'm saying? God doesn't just call greatness just like that that easy. It's scrutinized. 25 years. Uh, what did Brother Hill say? The man of God in this place, Brother Hill been scrutinizing. He's looking for greatness, and he found some. He found some. If you want to spot greatness, don't think you can't do it overnight. But be careful who you marry. You can't choose. I think I love him. Well, how long have you been dating him? Well, I, we just shook hands. That ain't no great date. I've told people, listen, you want good results, make good decisions. You want great results, make great decisions. You want excellent results, you make excellent decisions. You want the best results, make best decisions. Oh, I'll stop right there. Uh, you don't want some crazy stuff. Uh, it, all, it all measures up. See, we need to understand. Uh, See, it takes longer than that to spot greatness. Even an entire lifetime may not be enough to allow people to spot greatness. Uh, because we're moving in the realm and the arena of God. And God's limits are endless and even timeless. Billy Graham says, hey, when, when, when I get to heaven, I might not get my all re full reward. It might be a little old lady from North Carolina that's prayed for me. That's greatness. Because that's a powerful ministry, pa prayer. That's Jesus' ministry even now. For he ever liveth to make intercession for us right now. That's a great ministry. Prayer. Ah. See, the Pharisees, I don't know why they call them Pharisees. They couldn't even see fair. The Pharisees, are you with me? They who were the recognized voice of the Jewish religion in those days, they themselves failed to see the greatness in the life of John the Baptist, even of Jesus. He came into his own, and his own didn't even spot it. They didn't know what greatness was. Uh, that just the, 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 the carpenter from Nazareth. Uh, Joseph's son, we know who he is. Uh, that's great? No way. They don't know how to spot greatness. We, we, that, that's what the sermon's all about. We got to spot greatness. Uh, because we want to have a few great churches in South Hayward. 
Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. There's plenty of room. Uh, you already got two. This one and Pastor Bennett's victory outreach. He thought it was us. He makes the altar call. Hallelujah. Uh, but there's room for more. Uh, if you don't receive them, not. See, men tend to label greatness through position and wealth and status, numbers and all that stuff, money. Men say, if you want greatness, get all you can and can all you get. That's what they say. But Jesus says, he that would be great, let him be the servant of, the servant of all. Greatness is service. Greatness is service. That's greatness. The servant of all. As many as you can. Ah, that's greatness. See, what God seems to be heavily implying is that greatness comes through serving as many as we can. Ah, really. Serving as many as we can. Going with the, doing what God has called us to do. See, godly greatness comes not by increasing or obtaining more. But just the opposite. John the Baptist says, I must decrease that he might increase. If I get out of the way, he says, then God can show you the way. And a powerful thing, listen to me as I get close to closing. I haven't preached in a while. I've got to tell him what closing means. What does it mean when a preacher says he's going to close? What does it mean? And I said as I get close to closing. I didn't say as I close. Strike that from the record, please. Besides, I love to close so much, I close about five times a sermon. I love it so much. It feels so good. As I get close to closing, you know, a, listen, stay with me now. A powerful thing about God's greatness is that every and all men and women are called to obtain this godly greatness. Who's called? All. This call to godly greatness is not just for a, for a chosen few, no. While only one group, only one song, one individual can win song or band of the year on MTV or the Grammy Awards. Are you with me? Not in the kingdom of God. God's rewards and acknowledgments have no limit or expiration date. While there's only one gold medal won at the Olympics per event every four years, God is the rewarder of all who diligently seek him. All. God's not willing that any should lose, but all get to heaven. That's a win-win situation right there. All are called to be winners. We can all be great. We can all be great. Uh, we can all win the first prize. Everybody. God has no respect of persons. We might not be able to, we might not be six feet ten. Uh, but we can all be great in the sight of the Lord. We're all called to be winners. Victory, hallelujah. Uh, for all. See, with the world, the world makes many nameless that only a few may be great. That's what it does. Many nameless. Not so with the greatness of God. In the kingdom of God, when one is great, that can serve to spur on and encourage more people to be great as well, like this church does. This is what this church does. This is what this church does. Let me tell you something, glad tidings. So far, so great, but it's going to get greater. It's going to get greater. So far, so great, but it's going to get greater. But that's what it, it encourages more people to be great. Uh, Pastor Hill, he, he want to raise up a great church in Tracy. Why? Because he came from where? It spurs us on. Pastor McIntyre, we can do it. Ah. Uh, see, Jesus said, you think what I've done in my lifetime was great? You ain't seen nothing yet, he said. For greater works than this shall you do. God still is adding to Hebrews 11, and he's still writing Acts 29. He's still writing. Ah. Uh, and you and I, and I can be in, in it. So what will you use to measure greatness? MTV or the B-I-B-L-E? What's it going to be? Cosmopolitan or the Word of God? 
It's your choice. It's our choice. See, but greatness in the sight of the Lord requires quite a bit of, you know, sacrifice, doing stuff for God. See, John the Baptist concentrated on serving and ministering to Christ. He even sent two of his best disciples to Jesus to serve Jesus rather than himself. Wouldn't it be great if this Sunday, Pastor Michael sends us two guys? I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. Ah, just diving there. See, I'm talking about humility. The way up is down in Christianity. Ah. You know, God's not so much concerned what goes on, you know, at the MTV Awards as, as much as he, what goes on in that room right there from Tuesdays to Fridays. I know what goes on in that room from Tuesdays to Fridays every, during the day. Prayerly. Uh, I mean, over here I was debating because it was a real small sanctuary and Pastor Mackler drove up and says you don't want to get this and I said well it's a small sanctuary and he said well he says, Brother Steve, he says, if you don't get this you're gonna remind me of a friend I have in Ohio who got kicked in the head by a mule And then he brought me over here to these praying ladies that I prayed with here today as well again. And God spoke to me in that little room and said, get it. Get it. Uh, God is not so much concerned with what goes on on the MTV. Uh, as, as, as they're on your knees. Uh, we're talking about humility. Uh, that's greatness. Serving. Dr. Albert Schweitzer went to Africa. Missionary. But he was missionary. When he was there, he used to travel to different places. That's what missionaries do. He'd help the sick, and, but he'd also preach the gospel, propagate the gospel. But every time he'd go on a journey, he would take, back in those days, he would take the train. And he would always travel fourth class. And he was rich. And he had money in, in, in England. But he would always travel fourth class. There with the people mingling there, you know, get, getting in there and traveling from, you know, town to town, village to village, city to city in Africa. Finally, one day they asked him, Mr. Well, Dr. Schweitzer, why, 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 why do you travel fourth class all the time? I like his answer. Because there's no fifth class. The way up, down, down. I'm going to close with one of my favorite sermons. Sermon. That'll be another one. I scared you. Oh, ye of little faith. The opposite of fear is faith. One of my favorite verses, Psalms 107, it talks about others. Hebrews 11 talks about others. Nameless, faceless. Faceless, nameless. Others. Others went out and shipped. These saw the wonderful works of God. His mighty works in the deep. Others. Uh, but the key was that they were servants. They served. That's why they're in the Hebrews Hall of Faith. Uh, others went out and... Others that had guts. Guts and servants equals power. Gut, we call it guts in the neighborhood. The Bible calls it faith. Faith. Ah. 
That's why Pastor Mac has been attributed here. There's a lot of people saying, well, he, he's taught us to be a man. That's a real man. A real man picks up a Bible and says, no, the devil in his face. Uh, that's a real man. Uh, no, uh, you had me be, I overdosed on heroin nine times. I can spot the devil a long way away. Walk like a duck. I know him. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Get ready. Liar. Uh. Uh-uh. Other. Went out. Uh. Oh, shit. There was, and I close now. Really, really, really. I'm closing five times. Fifth, I'm right here. There was this. Individual, two guys, they were caught in a snowstorm. And it was terrible. Blizzard and all that stuff. They thought they were going to die. They were trying to work their way down. Don't ask him because I'm going to pick you. Between he and I. Anyways, they were caught in a snowstorm. And it was terrible. They thought their life was over, they were going to die. They were trying to make their way down to, to help. And all of a sudden, they ran into another guy had a broken leg, all messed up, couldn't make it down. He, he was near death. And there's two of them, they're, they're trying to make it, they don't know where they're at, but they're all afraid. Oh, wondering, man, what, what am I going to do here? And this guy help me, help me, please, please, you know, help me. And one of the guys says, hey, I ain't going to help them. They will all die. We got to go. Can't do that. Oh, come on, guys, let's go, let's go. But the other guy said, man, can't do that. Can't leave me here to die. And then he said, well, fine, see you, but I'm gone. I know, if we both stop, we're, we're both going to die. It ain't right. Uh, Paul, you must have prayed that God would use you. Come here. Hallelujah. So what the other guy did, are you still with me? The guy that had heart. Just stand on there. It's all right, we'll clean it. Mental. Stand on here. Wait, stand on here. Stand on it. 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 So what the other guy did. Okay, go ahead. Get on my shoulder. He picked him up and walked around. Wasn't easy. It was tough. Hard. Difficult. Wasn't easy. Half hour later, half hour later, half hour later, they passed the other guy that was real selfish, dead. But this guy lived, and the other guy lived, because of all the hard work it took, he was sweating up a storm. And he had heat to give away. You want to be great? You want to be great? Serve as many as you can. Serve. Serve the Lord. Look to serve us. Serve God. Expend some energy. Give it up for God. You may be seated. I'm going to conclude like this. So, Pastor Macklin. When I first met it, I did a crazy thing. I'm going to do another crazy thing. Nobody knows what I'm going to do right now. I want our group to come back. I want to dedicate a song to Sister Macklin and Pastor Macklin. You guys don't even know what I'm doing. Just be obedient. Please. They haven't practiced. They couldn't get an award on MTV because they ain't practiced. Wow. But I don't care about MTV. We want to be great in the sight of the Lord. The Lord. When I first met him, I did a crazy thing. I said, can we show the movie up against your wall? And we bowled again. When I asked these humble people to be obedient, 
We're going to sing a song. You're going to sing a song. Where's my daughter? What song is it? Cody. Cody. Can you do it, Eddie? Pastor Macro, this is for my heart, for my loins. For Eddie. To both of you. Can you hear the cry of a dying world? Can you feel the pain of the nation? And are you tired of struggles that the past has prepared? Do you ask where? Father, I conclude. By saying, taking advantage of the opportunity to place for this great church. The reason I know it's great is because it's been serving for 25 years. Truly, it's great in the sight of the Lord. Sean John 3.16 couldn't change one soul. But we know that John 316 is anointed. Anoint 
the leadership, beginning with the pastors on down, their family on down, Lord God, in this church, all the associates, Lord God, the elders, Lord God, the deacons, Lord God, anoint them for the task ahead. That they would be willing to expend their energy for the gospel, to work hard, to work hard for you. Bless their service. Bless their service, I pray. In your name, Jesus. And everybody together said, and everybody said, Hallelujah.